This show is brought to you by Whatever You Say Productions, starting conversations since 2018. Welcome and welcome back. Howdy, everybody. To update, new update, there we go. New update of coronavirus by the microscope guys. <laughs> yeah, that's about all we can say about it. Yeah, I called us the microscope guys. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? I'm with it. I'm with okay, it. Okay. We'll, 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 something will stick eventually. Uh, we'll eventually that's, not, that's not my MO branding and, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't, do I have a brand? Your oh brand God. is one of a kind, Mike. Oh, now I'm going to cry. I've never cried on a podcast <laughs> before. I've cried while listening to a podcast. Speaking of crying to a podcast have you ever seen s-town or heard s-town no oh it's so good it's so good all right there's our little plug for another podcast money please um (laughs) but oh wait let's okay so coronavirus new coronavirus update and kevin and i told you guys in our last episode that we wanted to discuss sort of the next efforts in really technology uh, Kevin's going to talk a little bit about vaccine, uh, the different vaccine sort of avenues we as a species are taking. Wow, species is very good it is word what it to is. use now. Wow, no, that's this is it's, like a global thing. It's unprecedented. It is a Shit. global response. It's a global effort by the human species. So I think you're yeah. very right in using that term. Yeah. Oh. oh my God, it's like the first time I ever used it not to just describe, I don't know, just not to get religious people angry. Um, and I, <laughs> I, on the other hand, am going to discuss uh, any uh, new method for antibody testing. So we've all heard about testing for antibodies and trying to identify uh, who already has had the virus and how protected they are against it. And really, in general, just like a way to test the efficacy of the vaccines uh, in trial right now. Kevin, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Maybe we should do you first. Yes. And then I'll go because you'll be like, look at all these things that we're doing. And I'm going to be like, and here's all these things we're going to do to make sure they're safe. Boom. Exactly. Yes. So I've been taking a look at to, right, we hear on the news all the time, vaccines coming, vaccines coming, should be early 2021. They are just racing towards it. But what does that all mean? What does it mean for these companies and government organizations to be working together towards uh, producing uh, vaccines? Can't so, wait, yeah. Kevin, before you move forward in two seconds, I want to make a quick clarification that it is the scientists and the labs that are making these vaccines. You are going to hear all the all over the news when these vaccines finally come out that it was the governments, regardless of what country, that it was the governments that played a role in the discovery and invention of all these things. No, not at all. <laughs> the, the, people are doing all these- they ended up, all the governments are doing is getting out of the way of the scientists. Pretty much. Us. Pretty where much. in any normal situation, they would stand very much in their way. Exactly. Of, of completing their goals. Exactly. Yeah. I, that's one thing I want to make very clear now and make sure that in the future when that happens, we've already stated what is actually going to happen. Because that's, I mean, we're always constantly making vaccines for new things coming out. And it, it's, it, the, there is no direct role the government plays in that. Yeah, besides either providing funding or not um, not providing so much oversight as to encumber the whole endeavor. Exactly, yeah. Slim to none. I yeah. got to say slim because you just listed off two things. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> at this point. <laughs> well, no, you, we, we all know what they're great at is taking credit for uh, things. Taking credit for things, exactly. Which, yeah. not to go on a capitalism... <laughs> no, we should. Uh, we that's should. Ultimately intertwined with uh, how fucked things got here compared to. Uh, I know. 
how fucked they could have been, which is not as fucked as they are. Yeah. I, you know what? I've had this conversation with people before that are, that name bosses and like heads of companies and are just trying to be like, well, don't you think that person's a smart person? And don't you think that a person like deserves all the money they make? I, I think we should all be very clear that it is the workers in the company that are the smart people pushing and making these products. These bosses just provide a space and money for these people to do these things. So I don't know. That's my rant. Yeah, that's part Marxism. of it. Marxism. Have you heard about Marxism? That's like a oh, new thing I'm on yes. to. Yes, <laughs> we've been reading a lot. Yeah, the other biggest thing is just the whole nature of it requiring constant growth. And if yeah. something happens where growth is not possible, the whole shit just falls, just obliterates before your eyes. Exactly. Um, Which I think that's we, the bigger yeah. issue. Yeah. Have we ever recorded an organism that grows infinitely? <laughs> no. No. I, I mean, infinite growth is like it, it, it's infinite growth within a single organism, or infinite in like. Like, let's take an organism as like a corporation. Have you yeah, ever you, seen? Well, that is a big stretch. I'm sorry, I don't like. No, it's not. No, it's not. I think that's a, a really bit. good. I think that's a really good analogy. A little, oh man, okay, whatever. Oh, but we, yeah, could, like, we could go for hours on that, dude. That, <laughs> I literally a, I studied bacterial growth, and I can tell you, infinite growth does not exist. Does not exist, yeah. Death and recycling is such a key attribute of biology at every scale. Dude, from this, From the molecular to the cellular to the organismal to the ecological scale, that happens all the time. and. We just don't have a mechanism for that. We don't have a mechanism for cannibalism or like redistribution of these companies. We need that. Right. Just ask asset. Re, yeah. not, not redistribution, but not redistribution in a willy nilly way, but a very yeah. focused where it's needed kind of thing. For instance, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. Uh, at the very beginning of this, healthcare PPE was very. Like the supply was so low, demand was so high, but we didn't see that get fixed immediately in the way all the models predict that, oh, there's so much demand. So therefore the market will supply at that. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot to dig into there. Wow. We got off track. We got so off track. Okay. (laughs) Back on topic. Uh, Kevin, tell us about all the ways we're making vaccines for COVID-19. Yes, so I was really interested in, since hearing on the news, all that, oh, they're working on them. There's a bunch that are really close to being in uh, clinical trials. The clinical trials being overwhelmingly the part that takes the most time because you have to administer these vaccines to people in a double-blind study and make sure there's no side effects and everything's safe before you can go ahead and try to inoculate an entire population with the vaccine. So I'm just going off of this very nice little article on WebMD that kind of went through. Oh God, WebMD. Wait, yeah, I we need to check your sources. Yeah, I know I, I did, but they had, a, they had a very nice little concise article describing each one of the um, vaccines. Can you um, send me that link? Yeah. Okay. I'll send it right now, so you can oh, see. Oh yeah. For everyone listening, Kevin and I are four miles apart. Not even home. Not oh. even that. Yeah. Wait, are you home or are you in your office? Oh, I'm home, but oh, okay. I don't think it's right. four miles away. Really? <laughs> I think it's. I like guess two. it's not. I guess it's not. <laughs> Maybe it's like honestly. <laughs> it's yeah. You're right. It's not. <laughs> Okay. But yeah, we're not sitting next to each other. That's why the sound might be a little better. Yeah. Oh, it might be better. Oh, no, they did a good job. It's kind of like a... So for all of you who are not looking at this, because we didn't tell you it, so why would you be looking at this? Or maybe you found it. Uh, we shall provide the link for you. But uh, it just it does, a, it does a summary. I'm a little uneasy about WebMD because I think they're... 
a bad version of the future algorithm that will take doctors away. But yeah, like, they cause they cause some issues. They cause some shit. This is a good thing. This is really yeah. well measured and tempered. I mean, not to make fun, but like I've had cancer like six times. Yeah, from WebMD, WebMD. and I got over it. WebMD web misdiagnosis. Exactly. Well, I Only also you think could sue mal uh, sue WebMD for miniature malpractice. Miniature. Get like, it's like <laughs> I thought I had cancer for a day. And then I, I went mean, to a real doctor. I did eat organics and drink a lot of green tea, so I think that's what really cured. Of course, <laughs> cancer. You, got, you just got your chakras realigned. Right? Exactly. All natural. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> God, Kevin, let's get back on track. Oh my God, dude. Okay. We are. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I feel I'm in a real good mood today. I think I'm so happy to talk to you. So. That's like a good thing. I'm always happy to talk to you, but like, I'm also just in like a very good mood. Everybody let the light of Mike into your life and let it. Uh, (laughs) Picture me looking like some deity shining rays of sun on you. So the first vaccine (laughs) candidate. Moving on. Okay, go for it. (laughs) Is uh, being. I'm sweating. being assembled by the company AstraZeneca in association with the University of Oxford. Now, physically, this vaccine candidate, it's based on a weakened version of the common cold virus and adenovirus. So the coronavirus is one genus, if you will. This probably isn't 100% correct. One genus of viruses. No, isn't there like the Baltimore classification for viruses i have no goddamn idea i don't know anything about that but anyways adenovirus is one type of virus and that's the common cold is it's an adenovirus type of virus so we already have plenty of means of um uh not vaccines for all of them but for some of them so and generally recall that a vaccine is generally just a weakened version of the virus meaning that all of the thing all of the attributes of the virus that can make you sick have been genetically manipulated in some way so maybe they have a a set of enzymes that when they get into your cells they go and mess up some sort of um some of the machinery and that makes you feel sick that allows the virus to replicate within your cells in the case of a weakened version of that virus it wouldn't be able to use those enzymes or something to that degree so this particular virus is based off in a weakened adenovirus however much like frankenstein they have um, attached the spike protein from sars-cov-2 remember sars-cov-2 is the virus that causes COVID-19. And the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 is actually the mechanism by which it enters human cells. So you may have heard these terms thrown around on the news a little bit, but there is the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 recognizes the ACE2 receptor on human lung epithelial cells. And that is how, when that Um, receptor recognition happens it triggers a chain of events that allow the virus to actually enter the cell and begin to replicate and that's when you start to get sick so what this vaccine is going to do is now you have this weakened adenovirus um, expressing the spike protein on its surface now your immune cells are able to look at that spike protein be, be like okay, that is an invader, that is foreign, we need to mark that for degradation. And now with this vaccine, you're basically training your immune system to recognize the most virulent component of the SARS-CoV-2 um, so, that it knows, so that if it sees SARS-CoV-2 in the future, it will know right away, let's get rid of that, that's bad. So it's a way of kind of showing your immune system um, part of the SARS-CoV-2 virus without actually infecting you with it and have the chance of you getting sick. So I thought that was a really cool um, way to go about it and really takes advantage of a lot of the manipulative uh, techniques of molecular biology in order to basically mix and match components from different life forms 
and use them to actually incur immunity in humans. Uh, do you want me to say something in response? Yeah, you got any <laughs> thoughts on that? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I think, no, I mean, you, you explained it really well. I, I mean, obviously. And I think just to sort of somewhat Kevin laid out into a more simpler form, it basically activates an immune response in your bodies without actually getting, you know, the, the virus in a way. And we, we can thank 21st century molecular biology for our ability to sort of patch and stitch together um, these, you know, I, I don't want to call it like a, like a mutant virus because that makes it sound bad but like that's it's a good thing it's, it's that's a good thing we, yeah no yeah, right you're right either way here's oh here's yeah this is something that's really really misunderstood i think when we say mutant it just means different it doesn't yeah. mean fucking x-men it doesn't mean teenage mutant ninja turtles 99 out of 100 times 99 out of 100 times it means something worse than what was there before exactly and, that is so key. That is so fundamental to understanding evolution, understanding natural selection. Um, when scientists use the term mutant, it is not cool 99% of the time. There's well, 1% where it is a little better, but most of the time you're just making something worse. And that's what we're doing with these, these vaccines. We're making the virus worse at infecting people, not better. So Kevin, is that all you wanted to talk about? No, further furthermore on that one. Yeah. Um, so they've started phase three trials, which is actually putting it into human beings. And they started these trials in Brazil and South Africa. And it looks like most of the people who got the real thing, not the placebo, they used the meningitis vaccine as the placebo to compare. Um, and so... From here, it said one dose resulted in a fourfold increase in antibodies in 95% of the participants a month after the vac vaccination, and a T cell response was maintained at a two-month mark. So this means two things. Number one, it is activating the immune system, and number two, it's creating a robust and prolonged activation of immune response, uh, which are the two key things you really want for an effective vaccine. You don't want to have to keep re-upping your dosage on the vaccine that's not very um, economical and not very efficient. If you have to, if you get it and then a month later you have to go back and get it again, you're not really eliciting the true immune response, which is similar to um, the reason why, I don't know if they, do they still do this? Do they still have kids go get chicken pox from another kid if they have it just so they get it? I hope not. Although, no, you know what, they probably still do. So anyway, like, regardless, after, wait, I think there was a chickenpox vaccine now. So anyway, so back in the Oh, yeah, there might be, but I think they still do it. There's in the anti-vaxxer. Because I, I, got, I got the chickenpox vaccine. You did? Yeah. I got the chick, but wait, are we like the same age? I think we are. <laughs> okay. And you, anyway, don't, and, you, and you didn't get it? I didn't get, I, I didn't know there was a vaccine. Well, I mean, obviously not then did I know that, but I feel like the vaccine was a more recent thing that I got chickenpox before that was widely available. See, I anyway, I got chickenpox. Anyway, to draw to draw this picture, folks, remember back in the day when the kid, one kid at school would get chickenpox, and then the moms would have a party where all the kids got together just so they would all get chickenpox. And once you get chickenpox once. You get it and you don't get it anymore because your immune system now recognizes it. You can't get infect, reinfected again. That's the same kind of idea with what they're seeing from this vaccine is if you get this vaccination, you won't be able to get um, COVID-19 again from this. So that's kind of the idea of having a robust and prolonged immune response. So that's, that's nothing new. Yeah, so that's the first vaccine and then the second one is a triple collab between BioNTech, Pfizer and Fosun Pharma and this one 
Uh, they're actually testing four different vaccines all around the same kind of theme, which is using a messenger RNA to target uh, to targeted antigens. So <laughs> the name of this vaccine is great. It's BNT162B2, which is what a lot of molecular biology shit is named. It's just an incomprehensible slew of letters and numbers that is very hard to um, uh, remember. So anyway, when you have... <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. We're like, this is a great name. I love these letters and numbers smashed together. And then you're like... I was oh, being completely done. sarcastic. <laughs> I hate when they do that. But it really... You got to see it from their perspective. This name makes perfect sense to them. Because likely they had a list of like 100,000 potential of these messenger RNA molecules and they needed a way to keep track of those. And this was like its barcode number. And then when they got a hit on this one, they're like, all right, BNT162B2, it's your time to shine. And they just never changed the name after that initial screen of probably hundreds of thousands of potential combinations of sequences that went into this. So the idea behind um, mRNA interference is basically, so SARS-CoV-2 is an RNA virus, and that's different from our cells in that our genomes are encoded in DNA and then are transcribed into RNA translated into proteins. In SARS-CoV-2, it comes in as RNA and is just directly transcribed, uh, excuse me, directly translated into proteins and then goes through some crazy shit where it's chopped up and then can actually infect the cell and make you sick. Here, if we have our cells already containing this um, messenger RNA that can bind to the RNA of SARS-CoV-2, that can essentially um, eliminate it. At, at the source. So this is a really another really cool way of going about it. The idea behind using the RNA interference is it's pretty unlikely to cause further complications because again, our cells are already full of RNA. Um, our body has several ways of degrading RNA. It degrades very quickly. So if you can just um, have these RNA interference um, mechanisms going on inside the cell, you can really uh, elicit immunity without having the chance of too much of a, uh, of a side effect. For instance, like if someone gets the flu vaccine and they end up getting the flu from the vaccine, it could be that that weakened virus had a reversion mutation and now is back to its normal state. With the RNA interference um, method that's not possible at all because you're not even getting infected with a weakened version of the virus you're getting something completely different um so yeah those are two of the main avenues being explored right now as far as uh, a vaccine candidate and they look like they're trucking along both of these are getting to the clinical trial phase so so that 2021 uh, timeframe might actually be kind of realistic. Honestly, in March and April, when they said that, I'm like, oh my God, bullshit. People have no idea how much work goes into this stuff. But really, that's at an academic lab where you don't have billions and billions of dollars like these pharmaceutical companies do to really just focus all hands on deck towards a single goal. Um, in academic labs, when you're when you have one person, one graduate student working by themselves on a project, it uh, takes a lot longer than a team of hundreds of people with billions of dollars. So that's uh, that's something to give you a little hope to maybe have live music again next year. Oh my god! Oh my god! I know. <laughs> that's like that's wearing on me now. Because uh, personally, I would probably average like. I mean, now, like, 10 to 20 shows a year, and then fucking 10 years ago, maybe I'd go to, like, 20 to 40 shows in a year. Oh, so, wow. yeah, I'm all about that, so. Well, that, uh, was my, that was my, like, goal this year was to go to, like, at least live music every year or every month, every month. Yeah. I was doing good even in March. I had... I had 
January, Friday, or February, <laughs> January, February, and March down pat, but. Yeah, I was literally had two shows the weekend, everything shut down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's okay, in due time, it'll come again. Yes, with um, these things hot on the way, uh, we should be good. But then, so thank you, Kevin, for that uplifting spirit, but um, all that light that I was spraying on our viewers, I'm going to take that back and just let everyone know that we can hope and we can do everything we want for those vaccines to be available come 2021. But we also just have to be, be realistic that there's also the possibility that in a large population, it doesn't work Eggs. or it's dangerous. Right. Those those are just two possibilities that I'm able to name for why after going into phase three that these vaccines will no longer be possible in 2021. The other thing, and like I've worked in clinical trials before, if there's not enough people signing up, then they can't meet, you know, then they don't get to their cohort numbers fast enough. So which actually, when you were talking about all this, I was thinking to myself, I was just like, how do I sign up? I want that vaccine. I don't, I don't care if I don't know if it's safe or not. I, yeah, yeah, I'm at that point too. So yeah, just shoot me up, man. Like, shoot me up. I know. <laughs> I, I trust science at this point where I'm just like, inject me with those chemicals because what we're doing right now is not good. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, so actually what was really exciting, I was coming back from camping this weekend and saw some billboards um, asking for individuals who have recovered from COVID-19 to donate plasma. So I guess the CDC in association with a number of um, blood centers like the American Blood Center, American Red Cross and so on, um, they are really trying to get into gear to collect plasma from COVID-19 survivors because it may contain antibodies against uh, SARS-CoV-2. So the idea behind that, just like how the vaccines are pretty much meant to elicit an immune response, if you get, get SARS-CoV-2 and um, have a positive test for it, but you either don't develop symptoms or you develop symptoms, but they clear up after a while. What that probably means is that you have um, elicited adaptive immunity to it. That is your immune system has identified the invader, recognized, um, recognized what it looks like and began to produce antibodies against it. These antibodies are small proteins that course through your blood in, um, or in, in your plasma rather. And whenever they interact with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, they'll pretty much inactivate it, make it impossible for it to um, get into your, your cells and replicate. So that's the idea. If we can collect these antibodies from people who have already gotten COVID-19 and recovered from it, we might be able to give those antibodies to other people and elicit what we call passive immunity. So Active immunity is what the vaccine is going to try to do. I think it's we're gonna... doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's like we're doing that as like a form of treatment if we have enough plasma to give patients. Exactly. So that's the key. If you are, so if you have had it, if you have had COVID-19 what hap and you recovered from it, what happened is your immune system recognized it, is making these antibodies. So you now have cells in your body are actively producing these antibodies which can inactivate the virus and that's called active immunity because your body is actively doing that pumping this out now if you are to donate your plasma containing these antibodies and a recipient um, receives that they now have what's called passive immunity in that they have your SARS-CoV-2 antibodies going through their body so if the virus infects them or if they get the virus in their body, those antibodies will catch it and hopefully inactivate it. However, they are unable to continue to produce those antibodies themselves. So that's why we call that 
passive immunity. So if you're if you got plasma from someone who recently recovered from COVID nineteen, uh, you would have what's called passive immunity. And so, yeah, this looks like it's a big potential kind of band aid especially for frontline workers and maybe for people who are unable to get vaccinated for one reason or another. This is another potential avenue for protection. I think not only protection, but also treatment. Right, exactly. This is if they are actually actively sick with it and you hit them with these antibodies, that is a potential treatment. Yeah. Exactly. So... That so okay, Kevin. You know, introduced the idea of antibodies, and that actually brings me to specifically what I wanted to talk about. Um, so, Kevin's was an article on WebMD, boo. Um, <laughs> but mine, on the other hand, is an actual paper that was put out um, by by doctors. Not that it's any different than WebMD. Sorry, I'm over here like trashing WebMD um, <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> Other than the panic attacks they've given me in the past. (laughs) So, uh, not only can we, so we all talk about um, how important these antibodies are for COVID patients. uh, And for those who have COVID, for them to slowly get over COVID, and also ways for us to test whether or not these patients have antibodies to sort of gauge uh, herd immunity um, or just see like how many people in the population have actually gotten it. So, well, let me just start with the paper because I kind of want to walk you through sort of their thinking of why they did it, what they did. Well, maybe not what they did because they did a lot of molecular stuff that I really don't want to get into. Um, And then just sort of like what that means for technologies that'll help us get out of this fucking situation. Okay. so. I am doing fine. So uh, the title of the paper is a SARS-CoV-2 surrogate virus neutralization test based on antibody-mediated blockage of the ACE2 spike protein-protein interaction. Okay, super long title. Don't really need to know too much about everything, but what it does look for is the presence of specific antibodies that block the binding of COVID to your lung cells. So it, when you know the key of the coronavirus meets the lock of our lung cells, it's looking for antibodies that specifically bind to that interaction going on. Okay, cool. So back to the paper. It was done by Chiwa Tan and colleagues from the Duke uh, Medical School in Singapore. So essentially, you know, like I'll just give you the cake right now. Uh, What they did um, was, is they built a serological test. So they looked at the serum of of human bloods and they wanted to be able to detect specific antibodies that bind or that are, um, what is it? like focused on that lock and key interaction with SARS-CoV-2. And this all came about because this is urgently needed. I think we've all heard in the news about how important it is to get tested for these antibodies to see if you've had it in the past. But I believe in a lot of the studies I've read of these tests coming out, there's like a 70% uh, like, um, or no, it's a 30% false positive result oh, that you have in a lot of these tests, which means that like, yeah, you're reporting all these numbers, but like 30% of those are like probably not real or we don't know if they're real. So, um, you know, we to fully understand herd immunity, uh, the protection across the human population, as well as whether or not these vaccines are actually working you know, we need a very robust or well, you know, just a good test for that type of interaction that we're trying to prevent. Yeah. And so to date, there are two types of antibodies tests that are on the market. Uh, and in both of these cases, the 
working with these uh, sort of, I guess, antibody tests is actually kind of dangerous because you have to work with live cells and you have to work with live virus, which because of how infectious uh, SARS-CoV-2 is, as well as how like getting COVID-19 is not that great, um, yep. you know, you, you need to wear the full body suit. You need to be taking all the precautions you can when you're actually working with these organisms. So there's two types of antibody tests. So there's one that uses sort of uh, a conventional virus uh, neutralizing test, uh, as well as a uh, pseudovirus-based uh, virus neutralization test. And essentially, in both of these cases, they uh, sort of have a plate, in a way, or uh, cells that have both virus and uh, the cells, and by adding the serum, they detect whether or not that virus is able to get into the cell or whether the virus is not able to get into the cell. And that's how they determine if those antibodies are there. The other way uh, are, they're called ELISAs or LFAs. So ELISA means enzyme-linked uh, immunosorbent assays or lateral flow assays. And these are, instead of using live virus and live cells, they just use live virus and sort of a sheet of proteins and to, uh, detect to see whether or not those viruses are actually binding to those. But in both of these cases, they don't do, or it's very difficult to determine if there are just antibodies within the serum that are preventing the binding of COVID that aren't specifically directed or, or aren't specifically made for preventing binding of COVID or if they are specifically neutralizing antibodies for the SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus. So there's a lot of different ways in which we can test this, but in a lot of cases, you need that live virus and you need to work in a very dangerous environment. So <laughs> you laughed, what? I think it's dangerous. Yeah, it is. Mm. Okay, sorry. Maybe I just mis, uh, misinterpreted your that noise that probably didn't even come from you. <laughs> I'm hearing things, guys. I've been in this house for way too long. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm fine. I'm fine. So uh, in, in this study by these uh, people from Duke, uh, well, it's Duke NUS Medical School in Singapore. So I think it might be an offshoot. I'm not 100% sure. But... Uh, <laughs> So what they came up with and essentially established was a surrogate, so I'm going to do the whole thing, a surrogate virus neutralizing test that specifically detects neutralizing antibodies for COVID or for SARS-CoV-2 without the need for any virus or cells. And the nice thing about this is it doesn't use any virus. It doesn't use any cells. And so it's generally relatively safe for uh, people who are not trained in those levels of aseptic technique, as well as it can be completed within one to two hours, which is very different from those other studies because it takes multiple days to go by before you know whether or not there is growth of the virus or death in the cells, which are um, the metrics they were using. So this is great. This is like a quick, easy one to two hour test that uh, this group came up with. And so I don't wanna get too in depth in their methods because it's very, um, I guess in a way they used a lot of very, not intense, but sort of very detail-oriented molecular techniques with a lot of controls and just like different ways and different experiments that showed that their bind or their setup, so their ability to detect uh, these specific antibodies without the presence of live virus uh, is just as comparable to current tests as well as better than other tests as well as they had another whole section in the paper where they compared it to other SARS uh, viruses. 
which is basically, you know, kind of like set the ground for like, if in case this ever happens again, look, our sort of model of setting up this antibody test can be used for all SARS viruses and not just the COVID-19 virus. Um, so that was, I thought that is super helpful. That's like the whole point of science. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes <laughs> when you're going for one thing, you find a huge slew of other things that are hugely helpful. <clears throat> exactly. There, you know what? I, I was, uh, I, someone that I will not name name sent me an article by some like doctor at like Rockefeller university, which like Rockefeller is like, I don't know, like there's Ivy Leagues and then Rockefeller, in my opinion, is like above Ivy Leagues. Like they do exceptional research. Oh. But so some guy who like wasn't even a professor there wrote a paper or an article in some like crazy, crazy magazine. And like me, he one thing he specifically said was like, we know so much about SARS viruses and we're using past technology now so it's inconceivable that things are taking as long as they are but it, it to me i read that and was like this guy is fucking stupid and preying on people's lack of understanding like all wow. science works from building on other people's shoulders so in every case across all fields we are taking information already found and discovered by people and readapting that that's, to the current problem we're dealing with and yeah that's weird that's a weird so, thing to say i don't know yeah. why anyone would say that it was i i read that and i was like i this guy is crazy and i know he wrote it i could tell he wrote it in a way to deceive people and it, it's so infuriating sorry not to get off on that tangent but yeah so these this group set basically this framework for future scientists and potential no and not even potential for future pandemics that we will go through i we all need to hopefully yeah, not in our lifetime hopefully i right, am geez. fucking dead before i have to lock down again no Ugh. i don't think that's i don't think that's gonna happen i'll go I through it's gonna happen in your lifetime oh yeah yeah it's, it's, just, know, it's a known thing this is why we had a pandemic response team in the cdc yeah. Like no, it's an you're right, that this right. is going to happen. The, that mutations happen in nature constantly, and it only takes one thing and to be um, particularly infectious enough to spread across the whole world. We just watched this happen, and yeah. it could be a lot worse. The mortality rate could be 50, 60 percent rather than like, what is it, three percent? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I'm all, I also definitely misspoke because I totally forgot there was so, the other SARS that I was around for. There yeah. was Zika. I think was the most recent. Zika area is fucking always rampant everywhere. Yeah, I, Malaria, I, Ebola. Um, do you remember monkeypox? I don't People remember monkey. There People. was the whooping cough. That was a big thing. I got my vaccine for that. Yeah, yeah. So there's ones that don't exist anymore because we have fucking vaccines, yeah, um, and we just yeah. need to keep pushing them out and have have these avenues for researchers to be able to work in a very focused way without being encumbered by uh, you know funding needs and governmental regulation in order to really pump these out at a adequate pace to yeah. keep society going. Yeah. Yeah, so, sorry I misspoke. I was all excited. <laughs> and so I just It would be nice to not go through this again, but I uh, assure I you we will. We probably I assure will. you we will. The only thing we can Well, actually, I hope I hope after going through this, again, hope because I just know fucking people are stupid and I hate it. Yeah, precisely. Uh, <laughs> I wish you could see the look ahead on my face. Um, but hopefully we get what could happen when things aren't handled properly and things haven't been handled properly in six fucking months. Okay, back to the paper. <laughs> so without getting really in depth about um, all of this, they, um, they, they developed this framework for uh, this very safe and quick antibody detection method. 
Um, and to take that further, they actually did a very small sort of clinical trial where they tested two different cohorts, those who they know for a fact have tested positive based on the other methods that they use. Excuse me, sorry, I burped and that was so gross. Um, <laughs> so the positive cohort and the negative cohort. And they already knew it was negative and positive by the other methods that are already on the market. Because what they wanna do is compare what they've developed to what is already on the market because that's how things get better. It's because we're like, oh, hey, look, what I made is good, if not better than these other tests. So they tested that in over uh, 200 uh, patients for, or no, 175 patients who are positive, 200 patients who were negative um, throughout or for within sera or serum that was collected 14 to 33 days after symptoms. So this is relatively soon after infection where antibodies are almost definitely going to be in the blood. Um, but they found, they found that there was a hundred percent specificity. So they nice. only picked up antibodies that are specific to COVID-19 and a sensitivity rate of 98.9%. Wow. Which means, what is that? 1.1? Yeah, 1.1% were false positives. So. Hey, that's a little better. That, you know, I don't know if you guys can hear my clapping. Yes. Yeah. Hats off to them. Yeah. They, that's a yeah it, there's a reason it was a nature paper. Um, yep. <laughs> so this is great news. When did this come out? I, this was very new that this came out. This came out and let me just double check. Uh, the 23rd of July. Okay. So we're a month from us recording this that this first paper came out. I'm pretty sure while they were going through publishing, there were attempts at mass producing this test and we should be seeing benefits of this relatively soon, actually. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I reviewed this paper at this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, this is good news because this means that we will have a better, faster, more sensitive test to determine if the vaccines that Kevin talked about are actually inducing immunity in patients, as well as just like really understanding how widespread COVID is or was, or like how much of the population is, was at damage or in danger's way. I say was, but it was also only like four months ago. So it was like, you know, wait, March, April, May, June, July, August, six yeah. months, wow. Yeah, we've been going. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that. I don't know what it feels like. I don't experience time the same way anymore. I don't either. Time goes by real slow. Yeah. Like, can you believe it's only 2.40? Yeah, and I just got up at 1.30, so. Oh. I've, <laughs> I've been up since, like, 5.30. Jesus. But that's because I'm a morning person. Like, after this conversation's over, I'm, I'm probably going to, like, go sit on the couch. And drink a beer. There you go. Maybe have an edible. I don't drink or smoke. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, yeah, thanks for reading that for us and uh, unpacking what's going on there. Yeah. So, yeah, folks, this is what's uh, hot on the, on the benches in the laboratories around America and around the world. So <laughs> there's hope, but don't, don't hold your breath. Yeah, don't hold your breath. Well, I, I feel like don't hold your breath is kind of like a, I don't know, a sad, pessimistic view. It's just like, be realistic. Understand that everyone who has the capabilities and the knowledge to make these things happen are doing their best and are working their hardest. And Honestly, be fucking patient. We all went to kindergarten, or most of us went to kindergarten and learned <laughs> about learned. patience. So <laughs> you would not try think, remember you that. would not think that's the case now. Oh god. Everything no. we see, we just forget that key little thing. Be patient, respect other people, 
Like the things you learn day fucking one in kindergarten. That's really it. That's really what's missing. There's this saying, patience is a virtue. (laughs) Yeah. Patience is a fucking virtue. Yeah, it sucks. We're all not happy, but like, I don't know. Relax is, I, I say relax because this has hit me just mentally. But I know there's a lot of people who it has affected financially, physically, and mentally. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, not downgrade, dismiss, or put that on a lower level, because uh, it's not. In fact, comparatively, I think they have it way worse. But it's also, rushing is only going to make things worse for people. And I, yeah, I, can we all just come together, peace, love, and happiness? All right. Yes, I like it. I like All it. Right. I feel like I need to, I don't know, do some mushrooms in the forest. That's the feelings I'm having. Okay, we need to end this because why am I talking about doing psychedelics? Why not? Yeah. But like we'll also, yeah, <laughs> we should. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. But li- okay. next episode, next episode, we should do, next episode, let's do something fun. Let's do psychedelic related research. We got it. We can do Done. that. Everybody, do that. we're going to talk about tripping on mushrooms. And you know what? We might trip on mushrooms. I probably Yeah, will. Mike, that's on you. You obtain that. Okay. <laughs> I am too old to be going around. Oh, my God, Kevin, you're younger than I am. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. Are you? The guy, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> it doesn't, we're like the same age. Yeah. Hey. I'm. I don't want to do mushrooms sitting at home in my house. That would be so. No, 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 no! Don't do that. I can tell no, you. No, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> no, I. I won't. Okay. Uh. So now that we just talked about Kevin and I's drug problems, um. Thank you all. <laughs> See y'all for, for coming through. Hope we left you, you something in. a little more. A uh, little more something to look. A little more upbeat. To look forward but to. But also realistic. Next year. <laughs> I want you all to be happy, but I also want you to like live on planet Earth and not get your hopes up. Because yeah. I get my hopes up all the time, and that's why I have consistent anxiety. Because <laughs> nothing ever turns out the way I wanted it to be. Um, but uh, thank you all for joining us, and until next time, stay classy. Stay classy. Take it easy. I don't like it. All right, y'all. <laughs> Kevin, is our thing just like having a different closer thing every time because we'll we're workshop it. We're workshop it. Okay, sounds yeah. good. All right. Bye everyone. Later.